Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're hailing from. Welcome to another episode of the DevOpsish podcast. My name is Chris Short, Editor-in-Chief of DevOpsish and uh, General Kubernetes person, as well as a veteran contributor to open source software. Um, today is October 17th, 2022, and we'll be going over not necessarily the newsletter DevOpsish, which you can find at devopsish.com. Three syllables, devopsish.com. Um, edition 288 went out yesterday, uh, but we go over the news behind the news uh, here on the podcast. So let me make sure I got everything all set up how I want it here. Yes, okay, we are good to go here. All right, so... Next up, we have our news behind the news. So first we look at, basically we look at all the analytics that I use uh, to build the newsletter. So if you're not familiar with DevOpsish, I share out all the stuff I read during the week, like everything. And when it is time to come write the newsletter, I then look at the analytics from posts on the various places I share them. And that kind of determines the content for the newsletter. I then render that content down a little further and then turn that into the newsletter and then leave the rest in a notes file on GitHub. So if you're curious, uh, go to the GitHub repo. It's linked at the bottom of every page on devopsish.com. Um, and you can go grab the notes from any issue under the content post directory. But they're also linked in the uh, actual newsletters themselves. So last week, I put out a kind of a call on Twitter, uh, just basically asking, is everyone doing their KubeCon parties on Tuesday? What's going on Wednesday night? And lo and behold, uh, I believe my employer is doing something on Wednesday night called Open Source After Dark. We did this at uh, KubeCon EU in Valencia. I didn't go to it because I was exhausted from jet lag, but uh, it is an incredibly good time. Fun was had by all. I didn't hear anything bad about it um, at Valencia. It was probably the most popular, uh, you know, post-KubeCon event ever. So it is on Wednesday, October 26th, from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time, and you need to RSVP. So let me just share this tweet with... Here's what I found. Not you, Siri. Let me share this tweet with the tweets over here in the space. We'll hit reply. So check that out. Uh, say open source after dark by AWS open because it is the open source team doing that and tweet that out. Um, so if you're not busy on Tuesday, there's tons of parties to go to. Check out KubeCon parties, like Google for that. I think there's a KubeConParties.com. Check that out. There's plenty of parties to go to after the fact here in Detroit. If you don't have an invite to one or want an invite to one, feel free to DM me. I could probably figure out how to get you into whatever party you want if you need an invite to it. Chances are you don't um, because the stuff that does need invites is pretty much like they reach out to folks directly to bring them in. 
Um, I've seen this happen with like Netflix, for example, they did in Austin, they did a big like recruiting push. So they basically were just like, who's coming? Okay. You're coming. Would you be interested in hearing a pitch from Netflix about working for us? We're going to have it at this nice swanky restaurant with an open bar and all that fun stuff. So go jump in there and, you know, have at it kind of deal. But like those folks will ping you directly. The other parties, check out cucumparties.com. Um, so yeah, there's that. And there's plenty of stuff going on throughout the week. Uh, so definitely, um, like just keep your ears to the ground for all that fun news regarding QCon parties. For those of you that aren't going to QCon, remember it is a live broadcast, I believe that again this year. Uh, so QCon.io will get you squared away with whatever you need there. I don't know if it costs anything to watch the live stream. I hope not. Um, so I ran a poll, a Twitter poll. So it's super scientific last week on your favorite text editor of choice, right? Which, you know, could be a controversial topic, but it didn't get controversial, which was the best part about it. It was just another thing. Um, on Twitter, like, without any kind of animosity or anything like that. So the, the, the interesting part was not necessarily what was number one, right? Like, I feel like I have a very technical audience on Twitter, um, so, you know, Vim, VI, Neo Vim, I kind of threw those all under one bucket that ran away with it with like 70%. I'm actually trying to find the, the poll right now that, uh, Twitter just makes things hard to find and it's slightly annoying, but anyways, so without having the scientific data right in front of me, because it's a Twitter poll, it's super scientific, right? The number one was like hands down bar none. Twitter, or not Twitter, uh, VM, VI, or VI, Vim, NeoVim, that group. A couple comments about, you know, code, a couple comments about uh, micro. Um, and then it got weird because I threw nano in as a category or as a thing you could select in the poll. And I threw Emacs in as well. And then obviously the other section. So... When it comes to text editors on Linux, far and away, everybody wanted or uses something VI-based, right? Like, hands down, bar none. Number two, by, here we go. All right, 71.6% wanted a Vim variant. Number two was Nano, with almost 20% of the 490 votes voting for Nano. 4.3% went to other 4.5% went to Emacs. So that's kind of interesting. Like when you just look at that metadata from a high level down, right? You've got the, the Vim variants, which kind of makes sense because there's a lot of those. There's GUIs on top of those. That all makes plenty of sense. Then there's Nano, which is the default editor on Ubuntu and is becoming the default editor on a lot of different OSs. Um, because the number one question on Stack Overflow is how do you exit them? Um, but, you know, having 71, almost 72% of the people say them, and then another 20% come on top and say nano, and then it's almost a dead even split between other and Emacs, that has never happened to me before, right? Like nine times out of 10, I'll walk into a room, like historically speaking, I'll walk into a room, I'll ask, show of hands, them. 
and everybody will raise their hands for them and show a hands Emacs, and it'll be a smaller proportion, but it'll still be a significant portion of the room that says Emacs. Now, I might not even get a hand raise at like a 200 person event. At a meetup, probably maybe one person, at, you know, for Emacs. So 490 votes and only 4.5% went towards Emacs. That's kind of telling, right? Like, I don't know what has brought that about. Maybe it is code. Maybe it is nano actually, you know, being adopted as defaults um, for some, certain things. I don't know. That's pretty interesting, though. So let me, since I have the tweet for that, let me grab it and share that somehow, some way. I have to do this the hard way, I think. I feel like the hardest part of doing a podcast as a Twitter space is just getting all the links together. Um, so, yeah. Literally just texted myself the link. Then I will open it, and copy it, and paste it into Oblivion. Um, there we go. There's the poll. All right. And yeah, I'm just adding stuff to the uh, spaces thread at the moment. Uh, also, last week I was in Seattle, and on the trip out there, we had nothing but clear skies, and I was in a window seat. So I've never seen the whole country quite like that before. Yes, I've driven across the country, but I've never seen it from 34,000 feet. So it was pretty cool. Uh, but I had downloaded Hackers, the movie, months prior. And, you know, it's, I've been in tech this long. I haven't watched Hackers, What's Wrong With You kind of thing. So I watched it. And keep in mind, it was written, or it was recorded, filmed, whatever, in 1995, which is the same year I got my first job in tech, which means that, you know, I was like 13, 14, building, you know, HTML and, you know, CSS V1 sites kind of thing. So in 95, it came out. I was 15 years old when I got my first job in tech. It was a summer job, so that's probably why I didn't actually see the movie when it came out, was because I was too busy working. Um, but how I'd not seen it since, eh, who knows. Um, so I watched it. I was a little disappointed in it, and not because of the the tech or the, the, the kind of lack thereof, but all the Secret Service stuff. Now, keep in mind, the Secret Service wouldn't be the agency handling anything to do with hacking unless it was, you know, fiscally based or hacks against um, even the U.S. government would be DHS owned now. So every time the Secret Service showed up anywhere, either in a dream sequence or whatever in the movie, it just literally made me chuckle. Right. Like, so here's this guy watching this movie. There's a bunch of dudes dressed in black with guns and he's laughing. Right. Like. <laughs> Imagine sitting next to that on an airplane because the whole the whole idea of the Secret Service busting into teenagers homes with fully automatic weapons dressed in black uh, with with no warrant whatsoever, with no 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 real like adjudicated kind of reasoning. All of that just completely ruined the movie for me. Right. Like the fact that. Secret Service was working kind of in cohorts with this, you know, random hacker guy, blah, 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 blah. Like, that doesn't happen. That didn't happen back then. That doesn't happen now, right? Like, ugh, there's so many things that were wrong with that movie. And it didn't age well at all, right? Like, oh, there's a virus in the kernel. Drop a flu shot. 
yeah, like, that's not, that's not even in the realm of the conversation that we were trying to have uh, back then. So if there was a virus in your kernel back then, you were just fucked and you reformatted and off you went. Some supercomputer with all these GUIs and crazy weird things, right? Like, yeah, Jurassic Park did a better job of computers than the movie Hackers did, I think, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Um, and keep in mind, Jurassic Park, I think, came out before Hackers. So, like, it wasn't like they were standing on the shoulder of Hackers. But anyways, uh, so QCon is coming, right, as I mentioned at the top of the show. And people are concerned, legitimately, I think, about the weather. Um, and the weather is you know, a thing here in Detroit, but we're close enough now uh, that we can predict, you know, looking further out as I try to pull up the long range forecast. Uh, let's see, that's for different place. Let's see, Detroit weather next week. It should be like a normal fall week for us, I feel like. Um, let's switch over to Celsius. So, yeah, like, today we have a high of 9 degrees Celsius, uh, 47, you know. So that's, like, no bueno. But on Monday, first day of KubeCon, it's going to be 72, a.k.a. 22 in Celsius, with a low of 12 Celsius, 54 Fahrenheit. So it'll be either cloudy and warm in the afternoon, warm-ish, right? Like locals you might see in shorts. Not kidding. Um, I'll be probably in jeans because it's not going to be like, it'll be cooler in the convention center than it will be outside for a high temperature, if that makes sense. Right. So layers are very important because it gets windy in downtown, especially because downtown sits on a river and it's full of skyscrapers. So it just happens. Wind just gets created down there. So keep that in mind, dress with layers, right? Like bring a, a rain jacket, bring a warm jacket, bring a hoodie, and then, you know, whatever you would normally wear underneath any of that and kind of figure out if, you know, a hoodie and a rain jacket might be your thing for the day or if you need the full coat for the day kind of deal. That's kind of how I play it. Um, you know, I'll have a hoodie on more than likely. Uh, even though I probably won't be walking outside too much during, you know, the normal course of the conference. Uh, obviously, if I'm doing like a walking tour or something for friends, uh, that's a different story. I'll bundle up a little more. But uh, yeah, I'll pr I'm, I'm staying in the Marriott inside the Renaissance Center. There's a people mover stop there. And then there's a people mover stop at Huntington Place. It actually runs through the convention center. You'll hear it during the conference. Um on the main conference floor, not in like the rooms, I hope. Uh, so I'll be pretty much sheltered for the entire transit. So unless I need a rain jacket, I, you probably won't see me with one, but that definitely means I'm going outside. So you might want to ask me if you see me with a rain jacket, Hey, are you doing something today? Uh, last week I read an article about, uh, GIFs or GIFs, however you like to pronounce it. G I F is the image format. Uh, same with the extension. Apparently, the GIF is dead. I'm not the bearer of this bad news. Please, no. This is an article I read that said GIF is dead. Uh, the younger generation of people that did not have to deal with dial-up at all 
So like my daughter's generation, she's 22 the next month. Uh, definitely my son's generation. Um, you know, if you have kids, their generation, uh, they never had to deal with like dial up type speeds. So gifts don't make sense to them. Why aren't you using a full fledged movie format and actually just using the snippet from the movie as opposed to this janky gift format? And keep in mind, most of the social networks now are very video heavy. So it's, it's really kind of weird to see a gift, right? Like, and we always use reaction gifts in the community. I feel like as kind of like the thing, or we make memes, which are different. Memes are different than gifts. Like the wiping hands scene that you always see me post kind of thing when I'm done with something. Um, that's a GIF. It's from uh, Magnum PI. But go try and find that as an MP4 now. Good luck. Right? Like, you still have to go find it, the source. And, you know, normally it's Giphy, which I found out through this article, is now owned by Meta. Um, so G-I-P-H-Y is now owned by the same company that owns Facebook. So obviously I deleted that account, but you can still use the service without an account. Um, but yeah, MP4s are out there. They're smoother, they're cleaner, they're better looking, etc. Folks should be using those apparently. That's, that's just the article I read. Sorry. Um, let's see. So KubeCon activities on Saturday prior. I will have Max the whole day, Saturday, this coming Saturday, the 22nd. Um, so, yeah, Ju Julie, my wife, will be coaching the St. Mary's of Orchard Lake girls volleyball team in their playoff run, which would be awesome for them to win and succeed and excel at that. Uh, the, the amount of pride I take in cheering for them is great. So I'm bringing Max downtown on Saturday. If you're coming in, you're hanging out, whatever. If you're in early, let me know. Kim McMahon and I think are going to go, well, I know we're going to go check out the, the Van Gogh exhibit at the Detroit Institute of Arts. Ping me, DM me, whatever. If you're in on Saturday, I'll clue you into the plans. Follow the uh, Twitter hashtag CubeCon, like Con as in the Star Trek character. Uh, follow that hashtag on Twitter. That should, if uh, if we play our cards right, that CubeCon Twitter handle, Con as in Star Trek character from the second Star Trek movie, uh, that should keep you abreast of what's happening outside of normal conference hours. Uh, and Apparently that extends into the weekend prior because folks are showing up early. Uh, if you haven't, if you are a contributor to Kubernetes and you haven't taken the open source contributor uh, survey, please do. Uh, I'm assuming it's still open. I should probably check that before I say take it. Yes, it is still open. So let me post that in here as well. Um, please take this if you haven't already, if you're a Kubernetes contributor or any CNCF project. Uh, I just say Kubernetes because that's what I contribute to. Uh, I probably could do it under somebody else's project if I needed to, but yeah, go ahead, take that survey, let us know what's up. Um, let's see. So William Shatner went to space, um, and he wrote an essay about his journey to space. And the funny thing about it was it made him really sad. Like, and, and I can kind of see this uh, as someone who worked in the space industry or space sector 
for a while, right? Like everything I did was always pointing back at Earth and looking down. It, you know, like it was always everything's here on Earth kind of thing. But his point of view was you looked out into space and you saw nothing. He saw the darkest dark you could ever imagine. Like he used words, like colorful words, to describe like this is a level of darkness you've never seen before. And then you look out one window and you see nothing but, you know, darkness and death. And then you look out the other and you see the big blue orb that we're all sitting on right now. And you see hope and you see life and you see all these wonderful, awesome things about Earth. But then you realize we do all these bad things to the planet, you know, and, you know, we don't take care of, you know, our fellow, you know, people the right way kind of thing. And all these other things that he mentioned. And I can kind of relate to it because, you know, I have never looked out at space other than like through pictures. So there's always something in the picture. Um, but I've never been above the Earth's atmosphere and looked out into the nothingness of space. Um, it's kind of a salient point, in my opinion, that uh, we should definitely talk about um, our journeys in space and such. Because, yeah, if... Uh, if we don't, then we'll never learn from it. So, Asha, I just made you a speaker. If you want to uh, unmute yourself, feel free to ask questions and talk. Uh, all right, so posted that link to the William Shatner piece. And, yeah. Cool. All right, moving on to the DevOpsish subreddit. Reddit.com slash r slash DevOpsish. Uh, NoCodeDB takes on Airtable with open source no-code platform that connects to production databases. So NoCodeDB is an Airtable-like open source clone-ish thingy, maybe? Um, so yeah, check that out. It seems pretty cool. And if you are interested in that uh, there's a TechCrunch post about it with a link to it. Um, what time is it? All right, all right, we got plenty of time. Let me check my calendar. Okay, we're good. Uh, moving along, NoCodeDB, cool thing. Check it out. Wildly popular on the Reddit's. Uh, there was an opinion piece from journalist I respect, uh, Stephen J. Von Nichols. I always want to say Nicholas, but it's just Nichols. Um, <laughs> laugh all you want. There will be a year of the Linux desktop. <laughs> great title. Great. Uh, you know, like I feel like the year of Linux on the desktop has already come and gone. I feel like that year was like 99, 2000. Um, but it wasn't like super popular back then. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, when the next year of the Linux desktop happens. You could have said last year might have been one. You could say next year could be one, right? Like there's this, there's this really good focus on the desktop Linux experience right now, which I think is better for everybody. Um, oh, so this is a good story. Windows 95 went the extra mile to ensure compatibility with SimCity and other games. This is actually a really kind of, it's one of those like tech legend stories that you see from time to time. Um, it's, it's very cool. I'm not going to try and like explain it in depth or anything. I'm just going to share it with y'all and you can consume it at your leisure. And yeah, it's, it's a cool story, right? Like they, Microsoft bent over backwards to make windows 95, literally the best OS they could. Um, 
And keep in mind, Windows 95 kind of changed everything for folks as far as like desktop operating systems go, right? Like you didn't have to see a CLI before you booted into your actual desktop environment. It was pretty nice, right? Like you didn't go to DOS and then boot into Windows as was the thing back then. You went directly into Windows. Yes, it was sitting on top of DOS, but it was a big change back then and it was super cool. Moving along. So all the Intel Alder Lake BIOS code was leaked. You probably saw this story. Not like a super, like, let's put it like this. Intel isn't super worried about it in their public statements. So that would indicate to me that just because you have the source code doesn't mean you actually have, like, anything. Like, they, pro they practiced proper configuration separation. There's no credentials or anything inside that code base, no, nothing hard-coded, they said. Um, so it's it's more of a just, a, hey, you know, what what's going on under the covers here? But that's a new chipset, and for the BIOS code to be leaked was pretty intense, but also it was a, like 6 to 8. I, I forget, it was like 6.8 or 8.6 or 7.6 or something like that, gigabytes. So think about that. Like your little tiny BIOS, this little tiny chip inside your computer uses like eight gigs of code, uncompressed. That should terrify us. It really should because you know there's so much wrong with BIOS code right now, and so many like don't peek under the covers, just abstract away on top of it kinds of things that are happening inside the BIOS. Jess Frizzell did a great talk on this at DevOps Day Chicago 2019. Um, there's just a lot in the BIOS that is just not like, like, like how did this get here? This seems ho wholly insecure. Um, yeah, no, doesn't matter. It's there. Uh, very scary kind of stuff when you really think about it. But so, yeah, uh, do a search for that talk. Up next, something I highly recommend everybody watches as soon as they can. Uh, it is a talk from my friend Trip Longworth. Uh, they did their talk on the Wall of Awful. Um, and the Wall of Awful is all those things mentally that you put in front of, like, doing your expense report, right? Like, and ways to short-circuit those negative beliefs about something to just accomplish a task, right? Like, the idea is summiting your most mountainous molehills. So, like, if you have ever experienced this, right? Like this happens to people with ADHD, people with anxiety disorders like myself, happens to everybody. If you've ever experienced this, please watch this talk, right? Like I'm literally thinking of just like printing out like the the actual like screenshot of, or you know, the, the, the art prior to you hitting play in YouTube. I'm literally thinking about printing that out and hanging it up somewhere because as a reminder that you've put this wall of awful up here, you can take it down as well if you want to. So yeah, something to keep in mind. Uh, it's just a really good, really good talk from DevOps, uh, deserted Island, which actually took place here in Northern Michigan, uh, a few months ago. Uh, after that, Let's see, anything else? Isovalent had a good thing about the four golden signals of Kubernetes monitoring. Definitely check out that when you get a chance. Again, I'm just posting links. 
Also, if you hear kids running around, let me know. Uh, <laughs> my uh, Max's oldest cousin is over for a little bit. Um, well, his mom does something important. So let's see. All right, we are done with Twitter. We are done with Reddit. Let's go to the LinkedIn page. We have about 25 minutes left here. Take a sip of good old coffee. Uh, let's see. A lot of folks talking back and forth this week about DevOps versus platform engineering, which requires you to use DevOps to do the platform engineering itself. Yeah, kind of funny. Uh, a lot of memes floating around about that right now. So if you follow, like Charity Majors had a great one three days ago. DevOps is dead. Platform engineering is the future. We just need to utilize DevOps practices and tools to build the platforms. So DevOps is not dead. Take it down a notch, folks. Um, it's, it's still a practice. It's still an implementation of gluing people and processes and tools together. That's what DevOps is. It's doing that in a manner that provides value to the people using your service or code or whatever it is you do, your thingamajiggy. Um, and yes, that is totally a scientific term, thingamajiggy. Uh, shoot, okay. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. New iPad. Um, trip talk again. Make your QEMU 10 times faster with this one weird trick. I know it's kind of a, a, a catchy kind of clickbaity title, but it's actually a legit method. Uh, and if you use or consume keep I don't even try to pronounce it anymore, QEMU, QEMU, I don't know how you say that. Anyways, if you use QEMU and you are noticing things, that are slow, like I.O., maybe. It was the uh, case here. Um, you can do something about it. It's pretty wild uh, how, I don't want to say this person, how Linus Heckman came about, like, this problem and then fixing it and then contributing that fix upstream and, you know, what kind of outcomes they had. Uh, one of their takeaways was, like, digging into a frustrating problem, even if you're totally unfamiliar with the code, was hugely rewarding. Um, their testing became better as a result of it. Uh, and then all QEMU users will benefit from this in the long run. And just like the author got a lot of value out of that. So yes, contributing to open source is good for you. We'll just, we'll just leave it at that. When in doubt, contribute to open source. You'll be better off. Uh, so here's something to me. Stadia. Everybody knows Stadia shut down. Everybody who knew anything knew Stadia was going to shut down before it even launched. Right? Like, we knew this was a foray that Google was going to do. And if it didn't work out, they were going to cut ties very quickly. Because there's one thing that we know about Google is if they don't think it's going to be long-term profitable, they're not going to keep investing money in it. So, like, almost before Stadia officially launched, they had already shut down their indie, like, dev studio to make independent games. Like, that was a huge red flag to me. When the company that's creating a platform decides not to code games for that platform, 
that could be a problem. But keep in mind, you know, like a lot of independent developers didn't know that, didn't get that memo, they didn't see that coming. So they were developing for Stadia and, and spending their time making their games work with Google Stadia only to have it ripped out from under the rug and all this time lost. So yes, I can, I completely understand your frustration there. What I don't understand is how you didn't see the writing on the wall that Google was going to shut this down pretty quick if it didn't go well. That's what I don't get. But anyways, uh, I won't share the link because it's a Wall Street Journal link and those are always paywalled, but I pay for a lot of stuff to get me past paywalls. Maybe you do too, so I will share the link. Never mind. It uh, looks like Nutanix is exploring a sale, which is interesting given all the problems Nutanix has had lately. If you're not familiar, uh, Minio pulled their license from Nutanix because they were consuming Nutanix or Minio inside a Nutanix products without disclosing that, without making that source code available to anybody, without even mentioning the Minio license. So yeah, uh, it's kind of an egregious use of open source software or open stealing open source software for your own productization purposes. Big red flag. Mm-hmm. Nutanix has issues, so they're exploring a sale. Not a big surprise. Um, probably should have happened years ago. Not a great time to be buying companies or trying to sell one right now either for that matter. But uh, here we are. Hmm. Here's a post from myself. Um, uh, yeah, when I landed at DTW on Friday, this past Friday, so, you know, a couple days ago, as I'm recording this podcast on Monday, uh, I was waiting at baggage claim to grab my bag because it got checked at the gate. And uh, lo and behold, there was a KubeCon ad. I was like, wow. It's already starting. And I'm assuming you buy like a month, a two week or four week long block or something, you know, for, for like this, for an event based thing. So, you know, the airport can make their money. You get your bang for the buck kind of deal, you know, kind of both sides of the story, right? Like if I get a sponsor, I don't allow like a one week sponsor. You don't get any value out of that. I'd say the minimum sponsor for the newsletter is you have to commit to four weeks because that's when you see the return on investment. Um, and you need a different message every week that helps too. But yeah, like there's already QCon ads, check us out at booth, blah, 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 running in the airport. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, do, 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 going through here. Uh, the FCC, this should surprise nobody. The FCC is going to ban... Uh, sales of new Huawei and ZTE equipment. Uh, the back and forth between the U.S. government and Chinese government will continue. We're all trapped in the middle. Call it what you want. Trade war. National security jockeying. Whatever you want to call it. Um, Airborne drones are dropping cyber spy exploits in the wild. This should scare us all. But basically... Um, what happened here was somebody built some kind of, you know, Wi-Fi sniffer and was able to crack their way into a network somehow with this device that was dropped on the roof. 
and another device right next to it that allowed them to communicate directly on that Wi-Fi network, you know. So they had their command and control unit kind of thing that was sitting there that had compromised the Wi-Fi and, you know, attached itself to it. And then they had like a client server kind of situation with another device that was dropped at the same time. Both were battery powered with fairly large batteries. Uh, and the drone apparently hit something. And that's the only way this was discovered. Otherwise, it could have just been like a drone fly in, land, park for like an hour, and then spin back up and take off. They only discovered this because they had active scanning on their Wi-Fi to say, hey, there's this weird Wi-Fi device in a weird location, no less, uh, you know, transmitting and connected. Uh, go inspect kind of deal. They got an alert about it. And had that alert not gone off, had they had not had that monitoring set up, they never would have known. And somebody could have come and gone on Wi-Fi, right? And, like, Wi-Fi is one of those things I find fascinating because when I was in the military, we worried a lot about emissions security. So, like, we didn't want any signals leaving a facility, for example. So we had all these safeguards in place, a lot of which I can't speak about, to prevent that from happening. How long until people start doing something to prevent their Wi-Fi from leaving their office? That could be an interesting problem someone might have to solve someday. Uh, like Wi-Fi 12. <laughs> I don't know. But like, think about that. How else would you control it other than saying wired networks only? Which is really an inconvenience nowadays, <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah, it was, it's a wild article. I strongly encourage you to read it. Yeah, like this is a threat to anybody that does security these days. And the threat is real. So it, it happened. It wasn't like a state-sponsored actor. It was about $15,000 worth of equipment. You know, it, it, yeah. And we'll never know who it was or who it belonged to. I mean, I'm sure, you know, if it's handed over to the FBI and, you know, warrants and subpoenas and stuff like that, maybe. Because, you know, everything has a serial number on it and everything gets bought from somewhere, so it's possible to track damn near anything. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that one. A report from Tom's Hardware, which I'm finding a better and better source of news, oddly. A uh, hardware newsletter mainly dedicated to, you know, not the space. Um, great article about how Intel could be planning massive layoffs. And as... If, if you're not aware, what uh, creates a recession? The economic conditions that indicate that we are in a recession are two quarters. So two consecutive quarters of no or negative growth. So no growth or negative growth in the gross domestic product. We've already hit that here in the States. Um, we'll see what this quarter comes out with, but we've already had two quarters of retraction or recession like that indicator has already gone off here in the States. It has not gone off everywhere else though. Um, and I think we will see problems starting to emerge in, you know, Asia and Europe before they like really hit home here. And when it does hit home here, I'm afraid of the impact. I know president Biden has said a mild recession. I know that the economy is very, uh, uneasy 
right now is kind of how I'll put it. Uh, just from my, you know, basic economics knowledge, there's, there's, there's some cause for concern. So yeah, just keep that in mind. Um, if, if massive layoffs happen at Intel, they can happen to anybody kind of thing. It's one of the, one of those things, right? Especially when you consider how, you know, ingrained Intel is in trying to solve the supply chain problems around, you know, technology. If they're laying off people, that's, that's a, a flag, right? Like that's a key indicator in my opinion. I think I shared that. I hope I did. If not, feel free to, oh, hey Marina, uh, feel free to, you know, ask for a speaker or whatever. Um, let's see. Turn around your get mistakes in 17 ways. I am sure we have all made this mistake or any mistake in Git. We've all made mistakes in Git before. Uh, this Dev2 article looks to help you uh, re rectify those mistakes, which, you know, the XKCD comic of delete the <laughs> delete the Git repo and start over again, it, you know, that, that can work too. It is a comic for a reason because people do do that myself included sometimes. Um, actually, I just did that last week. So, yeah, I didn't share the uh, GIF like I should have, or the, the JPEG like I should have. I've already talked about the golden signals. I won't mention that again. Um, going back in time here a little ways. Wow, going way back in time here. Not finding much. All right, so let's just call it a day today, unless anybody has any questions. Oh, or VirtualBox 7 came out last week. If you're a VirtualBox user, there's many, many updates for you. Um, yeah, without further ado, I'm going to wrap this episode up a little early, and y'all have a great week. Try and stay safe out there. If you have questions about Detroit, I'm here. If you need any help with anything, once you're on the ground here in Detroit for KubeCon, reach out to me, let me know. Um, yeah, and just stay safe out there, everybody. Have a great week.